Then an old man, a keeper of an inn, said, Speak to us of eating and drinking. And he said, Would that you could live on the fragrance of the earth, and like an air plant be sustained by the light. But since you must kill to eat, and rob the newly born of its mother's milk to quench your thirst, let it then be an act of worship. And let your board stand an altar, on which the pure and the innocent of forest and plain are sacrificed for that which is pure and still more innocent in man. Welcome to episode 15 of Sandwich Wingman. I'm Rob Hanna, here with Ryan Morrison. How are you today, Ryan? I'm well, Rob. How are you? I'm excellent. Really looking forward to today's episode. Uh, we're using an unusual ingredient, and we'll, then we'll later in the uh, podcast be talking about Gibran um, and some excerpts from his work, The Prophet. <clears throat> looking, really looking forward to that. Uh, but to start off, this week's ingredient was sweet potato. Um, Ryan, what did you do this week? Yeah, the sweet potatoes, the the thought nuggets of the of the ground. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So this was um, I don't know. I could see uh, using sweet potato more, maybe. It's a nice little discovery. I mean, are you a fan of sweet potatoes in general? Um, what comes immediately to mind are sweet potato fries, which I love. Yeah, yeah. A, a nice sweet and salty mixture there, um, or combination. It's great. Yeah. Well, all right. I uh, this this week I um, so I went with a pita bread. Okay. I did not uh, go inside the pocket. <laughs> um, I was afraid it would it would break. But what I did, I, I just cut it in in half, so I had two semicircles. Okay. So pita bread, some boursin, ooh, uh, some little pear slices. Wow. Uh, I, I cut up some some seasoned and pre cooked uh, chicken breast, and uh, topped it off with some sweet potato. Did you do anything to the sweet potato? I just uh, I just cooked it. I, uh, yeah, I had a, um, a microwave sweet potato. Excellent. Yeah, it was nice and easy. Well, not that easy. <laughs> How about you? Um, so I did something on tortilla. It was like a soft taco thing. So I, I'm going to call these a, a roasted sweet potato soft taco. Um, so I, I diced the sweet potato um, and then had diced avocado, uh, some pieces of rosemary ham, and uh, sliced up uh, some pieces of pineapple. Um, and all that, was, as I said, was on a tortilla bread. I think I actually used two tortilla breads to kind of hold it all in. But yeah, it was uh, kind of a lot of little pieces in a um, kind of a sweet and salty taco. I enjoyed it very much. Sounds really, really nice. A little Hawaiian thing going on. That's right, yeah. I, uh, I, it made me harken back, uh, I thought back to one of your sandwiches earlier on. Um, but that was not the intent, but I realized that uh, I had looked up a mm. recipe that suggested I should pair sweet potato with, with pineapple. So I thought that was nice. pretty good. Yeah. Well, looking forward to hearing about that. Yeah. I, uh, I guess for my, uh, sandwich in terms of the ratings, mm-hmm. um, I, um, kind of middle of the road, uh, ease of assembly, uh, did, did require some, some prep, uh. I did want to talk about that microwave sweet potato. Yes. Um, have you ever seen those before that they're in kind of like their own plastic? No, 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 no. I thought maybe you just meant that you would take you would uh, you know you took a sweet potato and just put it in the microwave. I think I think you can probably do that. Okay. But I was uh I was at the the grocery store and they don't have these all the time, but I've you know two of the last three times I've been there they've had a little bin of these sweet potatoes. They're they're wrapped in their own plastic. And, uh, you know, they say on it, they have directions. You just put it in the microwave for six to six to eight. And I guess the, uh, it helps keep the steam in. So it helps cook it. Oh, excellent. And, um, yeah, that worked out really well. I, um, I'm going to keep getting those now. That's a nice, nice little work snack even. So you bought this as this, it was already in the plastic. This was like something that you just, you buy as is. Yeah. Excellent. Then I, yeah. What a great way to add to your um, your lunch. Yeah, I would just say uh, be careful if you try it. the The inside is very hot. <laughs> You'd have to, I don't know, cut it open and then 
And just wait for a while. Yeah, it's... actually, it was really hard to cut afterwards. Yes, I, I had difficulty cutting mine as well. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, got the added added difficulty of the plastic. It's like you gotta, <laughs> you know, I don't know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I, I fought through it, uh, but I had to fight through it. So, given that you know that's a little bit longer than I'd like for things to take, uh, I was able to kind of prepare the rest of it at the same time. Okay. Uh, while it was while it was going. Um, but I landed middle of the road for three entice. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, ease of assembly score. Excellent. Um, had to really cut up the the pear pretty small, and the uh, the chicken benefited from being cut small too. Um, but nutrition middle of the road three. Okay. Uh, I thought it tasted really well, uh, so I gave it an eight. Excellent. Um, Integrity was pretty high. Uh, it was a four. Um, I was not thinking that it would work out that way because pita bread very flexible, and uh, you know I cut it into two pieces and I did kind of stack this pretty high. <laughs> um, but the the boursin really went a long way to keeping all the, the little pieces together. So so that was a pleasant surprise. That was a pretty good conversation piece. So I went four. And uh, experience-wise, just in terms of the eating of it, um, it it did take some work, (laughs) you know, because it was very flexible. Yep. Um, But I did enjoy it. I mean, so I went went with a three ease uh, on the experience index of the Entice rating system. Awesome. Which then produced a 25 score. Oh, all right. All right, all right, all right. Um, What about you? The uh, the only question I have is kind of about the – the pear was, was was that a what was behind that decision to use pear? You know, I um, well, we started one of our early weeks talking about the philosophy of composition. Yes, and um, the main main nugget there, main takeaway, is that uh, most good good works come from a deliberate approach. Yes, kind of a step by step. And yet, I feel like sometimes in this sandwich-making uh, endeavor, mm-hmm. uh, there's some, some inspiration as well. So I, I really I couldn't tell you. I just uh, brainstormed with the sweet potato. And uh, I've enjoyed recently kind of doing this in the grocery store instead of trying to figure out the sandwich in advance. Sure. How have you... Yeah. Is, is that in line with how you've done things or um i feel like uh i've been a little bit more planful about it um and i've actually had everything kind of all done and ready to like i pretty much knew the ingredients in in advance but i I actually kind of like thinking about going to the store and being inspired i feel like i'm not inspired enough i feel like i kind of now my research method is you know looking at existing sandwiches online or something and be like, okay, that seems like an interesting combination. Maybe I might try that and combine it with something else. Um, but it just, to me, what comes to mind when you say that is that like, you know, the sandwich making is not just like the, the science of it, like we've kind of talked about in other weeks, but also the art of it. And, and the art of it kind of is, the, I think, the inspirational side. So I think it's, we should welcome that. We should not be so restricted, you know? So I think, um, yeah, it's nice to be able to, I don't, you know, walk walk just through the store and I end up going going back and forth quite a bit. Right, right, right. But I don't know, something about actually seeing the ingredients makes it easier to kind of like taste them together with one's mind's tongue, if you will. That's exactly right. Yes, <laughs> mind's tongue. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know where the, the pear came from necessarily. Didn't you do something with pear? I definitely have. I'm sure I've I've mixed it with things. I can't recall the exact sandwich now, but yeah. yes, you are right that I that I, and to me, I use pear the way other people use apple because I'm somewhat allergic to apple, so like it adds that kind oh. of sweetness, a uh, little crunchiness, right? Um, yeah. How, did you? <clears throat> the only I guess now what comes to mind is: Do you think that the pear and the sweet potato, now that you were inspired to combine them, you know, did that combination work? Was it a pleasant combination? It was. Um... Overall, it was very flavorful. Okay. Like that, that one combination was not the got it yep. dominant. Um, I don't know, 
characteristic yes. of the sandwich. The, the boar sound tastes very loud. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the chicken chicken was seasoned, so it's not, uh, you know, normally chicken doesn't really do too much for whatever you have going on. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought it worked. I, I think, um, it, I, um, do you remember uh, the chicken salad sandwiches at Crema? Yes, I do. I do very much. And in Harvard Square, I do. I, um, I think those are the most like I can't now remember whether it's apple or pear. Oh, that's a good question. But, uh, yeah, but I'd... I think, um, yeah, I think that that lended something to it. This this is kind of a I don't know deconstructed variation on chicken salad. I think you're right. So uh, I mean, the sweet potato really takes it in a different direction, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, what was your your process like then? Um, so, mine also, and I don't know if we're going to find this with the sweet potato. So, I also had to prepare the sweet potato. Um, mm-hmm. So, I ended up actually taking the raw sweet potato and cutting it into, and I diced it before I cooked it. I'm not sure if that's even a good method, but gotcha. Um, yeah. And then I ended up putting it in the oven um, yep. and and roasting it for about uh, maybe a half hour. And then uh, maybe more than that, like 425 degrees. Um, so that took some time. But while that was going, well, so I did that, prepped that in advance. And then I just added the other kind of sliced things to it. So the sliced avocado, uh, I just ripped up pieces of this kind of ham I had bought, this rosemary ham, and sliced up, uh, you know, some uh, pre-made larger pieces of pineapple. Um, so overall there, uh, ease of assembly wasn't that easy. I gave it a middle of the road, three out of five. Um, on the other hand, I think, I think it was relatively nutritious, so I wonder whether or not um, avocado is kind of a little too fatty to be considered fully nutritious. So that's uh, uh, I I consider avocado like a five out of five type. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, um, I, I end up giving this a four, but maybe I'll be uh, willing to, to revise up. Uh, in fact, I'll do that live. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll give this a five out of five. You heard it here for, yep, first. Yep. 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 Um, I thought this tasted great. Uh, I'll get to the integrity thing in a sec, but. I thought that the pineapple slices added a nice sweetness. It almost tasted summery, which I loved. Um, the sweet potato was both sweet, kind of lightly sweet, but also a little bit bitter. And I think the bitterness came from the from the uh, peel. I should have peeled it first or something, or the skin. Um, and uh, then, the, but the avocado added a creaminess. Overall, it was great. I also gave this an eight um, out of ten. And uh, the integrity though was weird. So this was a taco, and I ch- chopped up these small pieces. And I just couldn't get a bunch of them to stay in, so they kept falling out the side. So mm. integrity, I got a ding on this one. And also, I think I overstuffed it as as per usual. And so when I tried to bite in, it wasn't able to fit. You know, in the mouth, it just was, was not good. So that was in middle of the road three. Um, nothing was really very interesting about this, though. I assumed that like in a quote unquote Hawaiian taco um, that had rosemary ham instead of just ham or something seems like an interesting. Thing. So I gave myself a two, um, because hey, why not? And uh, the experience overall, um, other than the, the sweet potato skins, I felt like the overall experience was good. If I were to do it again, I would have peeled it. Um, so that was a four. So before I gave myself a twenty-four, but with that added amount, I give myself a twenty-five. All right. So I think that nice. that makes us tied, right? Am I right about that? Yeah. Yeah. The, um... The, the sweet potato, did it end up being mushy? Um, yes. Not super mushy. It still had integrity itself, you know? Okay. Um, but, like, you know, it was it was definitely not crunchy. So you kind of had this toughness of the skin, which was a little bit tough to chew. But after you got mm. through it and you actually just had the sweet potato itself, it just kind of almost had this consistency of the avocado. Gotcha. I, um, my, my sweet potato is more like a paste. Okay. Which is, you know, so you kind of just dab, dabbed on top. But that's, uh, once I cut the sweet potato in half, I basically just had each half of the sweet potatoes, like a, like a tube of toothpaste. Oh, yeah, 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 yep, yep. So, so no, no skin for me. Okay. Um, would you, if you did this again, would you consider doing the microwave sweet potato? Um, I guess so. It sounds easier. Um, so that, that's good if we're trying to make this, you know, easy for lunch. Um, 
it was kind of you know a little time consuming in order to to bake something for that long. But that's also when you're. That's what I thought was the requirement or the you know the limiting factor for using a potato. But it sounds like you were able to. There's a way to accelerate that process. So I guess yeah. The, I mean, it was still it still took like eight minutes, and uh, you know then then it's really really hot, and yeah, uh, which which mattered because. You know, you have to handle it in order to take it out of the microwave. Making the sandwich. That's right. That's right. Oh. I don't know how to do that. You, yeah, I have no idea how to resolve that when you think about it, right? Because you, you have to cook it real hot, and if you're at work or something and you're trying to cook it out of the microwave, you have to take yeah. it out, and then it burns, and then you have to wait more. So I think that probably does take away from the experience of it, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm certainly ding the uh, ease of assembly score. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess uh, the early returns, sweet potato as a as an ingredient mm-hmm. in a lunchtime sandwich. Yep, uh, passes muster. I would but, say so. Uh, yeah, yeah, takes some special effort, so it's not really just something you just add in. I guess. Uh, but you you would make this again, this exact sandwich or something like it. I um I wouldn't. Okay. Uh, turns out. Um. I don't know how much information is too much information on a podcast. Okay. Uh, I had some difficulty digesting this. Ah, yes, sure. So I think that's um, that's all. I have to go lighter, lighter with the borsan. At the very least, I have to. (laughs) So, so I don't know if that would change the flavor because that was a really big part of it. Right. Well, you know, it learned. I, I also wouldn't necessarily make mine again either. Um. I, I like the idea of having a taco, and you know, I I like that too. Um, That's a good call with the soft tortilla. Yes, it was nice. I didn't want the hard taco. Yeah, I wanted soft. So, uh, oh, yeah, it's a this perfect uh, lunchtime thing. It's just really uh, something where you assemble the ingredients since they don't really stay in in there anyway. Right. Yeah. Maybe what I would do is is I would you know chop everything like and and if I were to pour it to work, I would carry it in like a you know like a Tupperware type yeah. thing. And right, then and then, and then load tortillas. yeah then just have a top of tortillas and load it up. Um, it probably could have used some sauce or something, but otherwise, you know, it's yeah, fine. Just would have been messier. Yeah. So, sweet potato, delightful. Uh, that, thanks for the idea. That was great. It was not something I would have come to my mind immediately. So I'm glad we decided to go with it. Um, you know, speaking of that, you know, maybe this is a good transition as we've talked about our eating um, to transition to uh, Gibran. Uh, and start to go through a few of his uh, short pieces here. Uh, particularly, yeah. maybe start with eating and drinking. So that was the one I quoted from at the beginning of the episode, um, and I really like that because really I think the the is the word ethos or like the theme. What's called just the theme. The theme of this particular um, uh, short piece is that um, you know if you have to eat, um, you know to survive, then at least kind of be reverent about it, right? So, um, you know, if you, if you have to really rob the, the, the cow of it, you know, of its milk in order to quench your first, let it then be, as he said, an act of worship, right? Do you think that has, do you think that's also true just of other things? Okay. Like if there's, if there's something you have to do. Right. Right. He's saying, say this is, a, this is a basic human need. Correct. Like correct. Avoid this. Right. So might as well, well, I think you used the right word there, reverent. Yeah. Uh, might as well, you know, make it a, um, what's the word? Not custom, but like, um, I have no idea. <laughs> it's great radio. Routine? Yeah. Yeah. Like, a, I mean, some kind of procedure by which, a ritual. Yes, that's the word. That's the word. Yes. I know exactly what you mean. Well, think about the rituals that we have a- anyway, kind of as people in the u.s uh, you know surrounding food or at least we used to tradition like you know even like the concept of saying grace right like that's a that's a ritual um yeah. so yeah i don't know do we do that less uh, how would how would gibran how would the prophet here um you know i i think i told you right before we started recording i drove on down to the mcdonald's exactly got myself a, a nice coffee um it cost like two bucks and I never got out of my car, and uh, I don't know. I, there's, is it too easy now? 
Is eating too easy? That's a good point. I was also thinking about how different it is to like um, manipulate coffee beans than it is to like kill an animal. Um, but and yet the yeah. animal could live here and the coffee can't. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is it too easy? I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like the market economy or the, sorry, economic forces were going to drive it here, right? It was inevitable that something so basic to our survival was going to be driven by market forces to be as easily accessible to us, right? I mean, it just kind of seems like that was almost inevitable. So, like, the whole concept of, like, a drive-through, like, wow, it, it might it might seem too quick. Like, it's exactly like the culmination of, um, you know, of an evolving market economy, right? Yeah, and it's its own ritual. You drive up. Without a doubt. You, you um, talk to the person through the speaker. It's so right. You talk to the person through the speaker again, and maybe a third or fourth time to make sure that your order of one simple thing is, is done correctly. Uh, yes, it speaks a lot to, um, te- to technology issues. Yes, yeah. You you drive to the first window, you pay, you drive to another window, you receive, <laughs> and then you drive away. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> why? Well, why is it that, that that we drive and pay at one window and and receive at another? Well, you know, um, yeah. What would Gibran say about that? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. It's like, well, we might as well worship the, the, the buying and the, and the selling yeah. separately from yeah. the receiving, the giving. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. It is definitely easy now, though. Uh, we, were, we were just talking in the last, was the last episode of uh, Michael Pollan? Yes, that's right. Doing his own hunting. That's right. How how different an experience that was. Right. Um, we do not do that. I mean, this is really the same thing. It's uh, it's so easy that I mean, because this this little uh, passage here has this title, "Eating and Drinking," but really, may, and maybe this is just uh, well, I don't know. It's uh, it's about the the acquiring as well. Without a doubt. Yep. It's even less about the eating and drinking itself and more about how you get at that food, right? Um, but even the part he has this part about, and when you crush an apple with your teeth, say to it in your heart, your seed shall live in my body and the buds of your tomorrow shall blossom in my heart. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's certainly, if, if we had a reverence uh, metric, one out of ten, yep. that sounds like a ten. Exactly right. I mean, it's it's essentially it's grace almost. Um, it's like it's like though you won't grow within me. And he makes some other comment about uh, when you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you say, "I too am a vineyard, and my fruit shall be gathered for the wine press, and like new wine, I shall be kept in the eternal vessels." You know, so it's almost like saying we are one of the. How do I how do I get this? Um, you could think of it as there being a coherence between what we eat and who we are. That that it's it's not necessarily like you know it's a it's a circle of life. Yeah, I um this, this is a nice little segue to the next yes thing here. Um, I'm gonna tell you what I mean here. Uh, at the very end of this this next uh, vignette yeah. on work. Yes, that's right. Um, for if you bake bread with indifference, you bake a bitter bread that feeds but half man's hunger. And if you grudge the crushing of the grapes, your grudge distills a poison in the wine. Yes. Uh, so it's a, it is, you know, it is about the, the act of acquiring. What that, uh, yeah, what do, you, what do you think about that? Obviously this is a, is, a, um, is a figurative explanation here, right? But what do you think, what do you think this means? That you, do you have to like, because he gets into this, in his love vignette, or sorry, the work vignette, he's all about you have to love your work. Like work is yeah. about love. But like, you know, let's, let's say the example of uh, the drive through McDonald's. Like, do you do does does that coffee have to have been loved when it was made in order for you to enjoy it? That's a good question. I mean, maybe there. Yeah. I mean, maybe there are some things in an automated economy that we've actually estranged it from its love, right? So, like, you know, the concept of like Marx of like a strange labor, like this is like estranged from the love of it, right? Uh, so, but by estranged, do you mean that? Or alienated, less of, yeah. less of it in there, or that it's 
it's more removed. Right? Like somebody what is this like like you know, Newman's own or something? Yep, 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 yep. You know, coffee? Yep, yes, exactly. Maybe somebody had love. Somebody um you know, came up with a formula with a roasting technique. That's right. That's right. That's right. They try to try to keep it consistent. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I mean, maybe that does still matter. Maybe it does. Well, I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, fine dining totally speaks to that, right? Even though there's even some sort of automation to that too, where like your sous chefs will make your, you know, you you, you essentially tell them a, a procedure that they follow. But still, there's like this. You go there because presumably, like the chef has a real reverence or uh, respect, love of the making of food and making it good, and and and, and making sure flavors are are, are pleasantly combined. Uh, yeah. So I, I think I, I think I think there is still a demand for that. I think so too. I really liked this this passage. Um... You know, for its for its non non food applications as well. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, about how uh, you know treat the treat the work seriously because that's that's what living is. Yes, that's what life is. Um, you work that you may keep pace with the earth and the soul of the earth. Yeah. For to be idle is to become a stranger unto the seasons and to step out of life's procession that marries in majesty and proud submission. Towards the infinite. Yeah, it's really nicely written there. Yeah. Um, when you work, you are a flute through which, through whose heart, the whispering of the hours turns to music. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating. I wonder, I wonder what he was writing in response to, right? I mean, what, what why? Well, keep going. Okay, yeah. Um, keeping yourself and um. Well, so yeah. So when you work, you are a flute. Yep. Through whose heart the whispering of the hours turns to music. Right. Which of you would be a reed, dumb and silent, when all else, when all else yeah. sings together in unison? That's you right. actually should have kept going there. That's right. It would have been would have been a nice thing for us to have read that at the same time. I agree. A little content and form action. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, you're right. And I, um, you know, it's, it does say, good point. He says, always you have been told that work is a curse and labor misfortune. I see. So he sees, so that there's, there's a, there's, yeah, there's flipping around. Yeah, there's, there's a, it's not a, it's not a condition of life, right? It's it not life. It is life. Yeah. Um, I mean, these these two things, I mean, these these two last pieces, take them together, right? Mm-hmm. It's like if you if you have to do something, it means that it is part of life, and treat it that way, right? Instead of it being something that isn't life. Like, you know, people are always like, you know, the separation between, like, your work and what you work for, like, you know, and, like, in your play, right? And, and I, think they're, I think they're important times to compartmentalize both, right? But what he was saying is that, like, don't don't treat the work time as if it's something um, that is, well, for lack of a terms, he says the, the curse, right? That, that's something that you are, like, contemned, contemned to do, <clears throat> condemned to do. Um that that is separate from like what life should be right in fact cherish kind of all aspects of all hours do you think that extends to so we've got okay you got to eat so yep. take it seriously yep you know have some reverence in the process you have to work that's what life is so you know either i guess admit that you're not loving life or I don't know, appreciate it for what it is, but there are some there are some things that we do that we feel like we only do them because we have to. Is that that's fair? Think? That's fair. Yeah. Uh, like what happens after you eat? That's true. And and, and uh, what that's happens? Necessary. Yeah. What happens after you you make money? You you have to pay taxes. True. <laughs> that is yeah. Death and taxes. Yeah. Death. Death. You can't, death. Can't really extract that from from life. So. Yeah, yeah, j- just like your body extracts after it uh, eats and drinks. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, you know, because uh, don't forget, you know, work, work, work is love made visible, as Gibran says. Um, uh, yeah, and you're... I thought I thought you were segueing there, so so it would veer away <laughs> from the less comfortable uh, topic, and then you just said. Uh, 
you know, make visible. Yes, exactly. I know. Yeah. 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 I feel like that didn't work out too well. Uh, well, all I'll say is that whenever I bake bread, I do not bake it with indifference. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's... So, that's, so, that's, uh, so yeah. on, on to joy and sorrow. <laughs> the, uh, the next, uh, vignette. Um, then a woman said, speak to us of joy and sorrow. Yes. This is, um, I like, uh, you know, the, the, the Zadie Smith essay that we talked about. The, yep. the difference between joy and pleasure. I remember that. Yeah, that um, that was really good. I uh, it was that was a great use of time. I think I completely agree. I like that that essay, and I think there's. I mean, it's obviously related, but really a nugget in its own right here. And uh, so the prophet answered, "Your joy is your sorrow unmasked." And the self-same well from which your laughter rises was oftentimes filled with your tears. And how else can it be? The deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. Yes. Do you think that's true? So we've we've talked about happiness on this podcast more than once. For sure. And a, and a question from our past was, are people fixed at kind of like a certain level of happiness you know, for their lifetime, right. with only, you know, variations on that one theme instead of, you know, no nobody's changes their, shifts their happiness paradigm. Right. Um, they're just events that fall in and out. Yes. Do you think that, um, well, first of all, do you agree that uh, sorrow is kind of a prerequisite to joy? Um... I'm not sure if I agree. Um, I I think that perhaps in the larger scheme of things about like understanding of joy, perhaps you can't know joy except in its absence, right? Or sorry, you can't understand what joy is unless you understand what it is not. So like the the yin-yang there, so like maybe you can greater appreciate joy, but I, I don't see any reason why you couldn't just experience joy without having known deep sorrow. You could probably, you know, you just might not know what it is. Like, it's defined by its negative image, right? Okay, and I like that. I like that way of looking at things as well. But how about uh, parting of such sweet sorrow? Kind of is, lead- it, is it sweeter? Is it, I mean, uh, there are things that we part with that we don't care about. That's right. But then That's the sorrow much, is not... Much of a sorrow. Yeah. yeah. Um... I don't know. I, uh, I there's a lot to process here. I think of well, uh, let's let's put it in his terms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is not the cup that holds your wine the very cup that was burned in the potter's oven, and is not the lute that soothes your spirit the very wood that was hollowed with knives? Right. So, are we are we not going to be equipped? To, um, to appreciate joy, to feel joy, uh, to experience joy, without without the work that that sorrow performs on us. I think that it's it's what comes to mind in that exact space is the um, you know the 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 tragedies that some people experience at the hands of others when, when they're oppressed mm-hmm. and and perhaps how much more they savor the joy of freedom mm-hmm. so per, per, perhaps they, they might eventually know greater joy and, and, and savor it because of what they experienced before um, so in that sense, I think that the that there's a there's a counterbalancing effect there, that maybe makes the joy even sweeter, as the sorrow is sweet, right? Um, but there should be ways for people to experience joy without having to experience such such suffering. But I, I could imagine that they experience their freedom, and and cherish it all the more. Yeah. Well, not to get uh, all religious. 
here. Mm-hmm. But that, that is one of the the main troubles that I've always had. Where if you know if there is a an infinitely good and infinitely powerful yes force, then that force would be capable of making it such that joy can be experienced without sorrow. That's right. And yet, uh, if he's also that uh, omnipotent, well, yeah, so be able to do it, and being good would want to do it. Exactly. And yet, it is not done. Yes. That is a... An important philosophical puzzle. (laughs) No, it is. I I don't... Yeah, I mean, this reminds me... Remember that book we read in high school? um, Why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, Yeah. I actually don't remember anything inside it. Me me either. But uh, no no, no offense to the author. I I remember having good discussions surrounding it at the time. Um, It's... uh, I think it was formative in that aspect, right? But I'm not sure whether we left with great, you know... um, Great, great answers. Yeah, but I, I think it was an important question to struggle with at the time. I don't know. Even, even, even there, I think you know, if you're trying to win an argument, sometimes the best, the best way to handle it is to put your put your weakness forward. Yes, 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 and, yes. Uh, I don't know. Treat it as if it's not, uh, you know, so so weak a weakness. Right. I don't know. I um. Well, in terms of joy, right. in terms of understanding joy, I think there there are two problems that we always run into. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is we can't possibly put ourselves in another person's head, and you know, thereby compare their their highest highs with our highest highs and their lowest lows with ours. Exactly. There's no there's no way to do that. Um, and uh, the other is. There's, there's no way, even through our own experience, there's no way to do, like, um, a with or without you analysis. Yes, yes, There's, there's yes. no way to be like, ah, well, I wouldn't have been as happy had this not happened, or I would have been more happy had this happened. There's no way to do that. Just, it is what it is. That's right, and, and in, uh, in research, that's referred to as a counterfactual, right? Like the actual thing that you're comparing, what would have happened actually did not happen. But you use right. you use you use it as a what's the word heuristic or use it as a um, yeah something like that. You use it you know to to understand what the impact of something that did occur was right. What the impact was right. Um, and that probably works better with with uh, like logic based things sure. than with yeah. you know perception based things. Right, like we don't know how we would have perceived something differently had it not been for our experiences before, right? Sure. Right. Yeah, maybe, maybe it makes sense to move to uh, to crime and punishment now. This is another vignette, uh, kind of later later along in, in the prophet. Um, I'll tell you that this one quote keeps kind of sticking out in me, and, and I I'd like to see what, you know how you feel about it as well. It kind of speaks to the larger theme of this this particular vignette, and it's something like, "And when one of you falls down." He falls for those behind him, a caution against the stumbling stone. I, and he falls for those ahead of him, who, though faster and sure of foot, yet removed not the stumbling stone. I, I, I think both that both of those parts there, I think, are really fascinating. Particularly the the latter part, right, where it's like. Um, thinking that those who came ahead of you, who left that stumbling block along your way may have made you more likely to falter and commit a crime. Um, because just through the act of not faltering themselves? Yeah, and also not removing it. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, this you know, this is... It's hard for me not to want to, like, you know, also relate this broadly to what, you know, has been going on recently in Baltimore, right? I mean, like, not removing stumbling stones, right, from people's way, so that it kind of, you know... Uh, yeah. They grow up and live in environments that that are not conducive to to the most um, uh, positive uh, uh, um, develop, developmental and, and you know experiences and growth. Right? It just is. You know, we we have left stumbling blocks in the way they don't have to be there because we've known they they're stumbling blocks. 
and we could have removed them. Um, I, I like this. It's like if you if you are one of those who is who is faster and surer of foot, right? Maybe you have a responsibility, even like exactly. passing the stumbling stone. Exactly. Even if even if you happen to be of a person that's probably not going to stumble on that stone, right? Uh, maybe you have a responsibility to remove it. Right. Right. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and I think that the message here broadly of Gibran is is something about like we are all both the sinners and those who are harmed through the sinning. Um, it's just that it's like it's like it's it's a it's a it it seems a challenging message. Um, that it's not just the 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 person who commits the crime is really one of us and all of us and. Those who the crime is against is also um, just as unjust or just. It, it's, it says you cannot separate the just from the unjust and the good from the wicked. For they stand together mm-hmm. before the face of the sun, even as the black thread and the white are woven together. Um, right, because we're all in the same system. Here. Right, right. Um, it just... It, I, originally I read it and I, I immediately didn't feel good about that notion that this is trying to perform. But the more I thought about it, I, I thought that at least it was something worth thinking through. Um, that, that, like, how much do we have agency, control over the crimes or the misdeeds of others? Um, yeah. Yeah. What is it that, you know, all, all that needs to happen for, for evil to to prevail is for good men to do nothing. Yep. So this is all, this is, this is a, a system that we share. Right. We're all here. We need to make sure that the system works. Right. And, and, I, and I think that's the word, right? I, I think, I think system might be the word here. That is like the, the, uh, the latent variable, right? The thing that's not explicitly mentioned here, but like it is, there's something more systemic that I think he's raising here. Um, I mean, I mean, he says something very controversial, which is, he says, the murdered is not unaccountable for his own murder. And the robbed is not blameless in being robbed. I mean, that, that part to me was almost distasteful. Um, it is, right, but there's, right, but this is what you're getting at, is there's, there's the rest of the context here. Right. Which is, it's not, there, I think the, those are illustrations of, you know the most extreme possible illustrations of no, we all have responsibility for how this all works. Correct. So it's not like a, the the robbed has a particular uh, right, uh, right, role right, to play. Right. It's just that there's no one outside of this. We're all we all participate. We all have a responsibility for it. Right. In the in the um, yeah, you don't want to be the guy who makes it more difficult for the system to in in the immortal words of of dave grohl don't want to be your monkey wrench <laughs> that's yeah I, well first of all you you you, you know you you like 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 me uh we're big fans of dave grohl so i'm actually very glad you brought that in so um and uh i i was just thinking of that song i just heard that song recently and i I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, the, the, well, the, you know, that's the crime part. Um, now, the punish <laughs> the punishment. Um, I'm not sure what to make of that. I'm not sure whether I, I distilled that out of this particular uh, vignette. Um, it says. Um, is not remorse the justice which is administered by that very law which you would fain serve? You, yet you cannot lay remorse upon the innocent nor lift it from the heart of the guilty. Um, mm-hmm. And something mm-hmm. like, and, and you would, and you who would understand justice, how shall you look? How shall you, unless you look upon all deeds in the fullness of light? It's just you know I, don't know, I think it's like I, I think I, I assume what's kind of getting at here is that like if we're all part of the system here, how do we think about how to punish our fellow brethren in the system? 
Um, so there, there are kind of two schools of thought, right? In terms of like jail time, sentencing, correct? That, right? Like, is it is it punishment? Is that is that what it is, or does it function as a deterrent? Yes. Like, which which are those? Which of those two things is what we care about most? Correct. In in designing like a criminal justice system, because there are times when those two. There are times when those two things point in the same direction. Correct. But there are times when they don't. Right. Like the death penalty. Totally correct. Uh, so you know, is it is it is it about rehabilitation, or is it about? Well, I guess there are a lot of things it could be about. There is a lot, and and you know, that's one of those things that I guess our politics tries to work out, right? I just there's there's just. There's so many things. I don't. I don't want to get caught in this trap of uh, things were so much better in the good old days, and I, and I, I appreciate that that is a trap. But there are still there's sometimes I I think that there are we run across something like you know the early early forms of government in this country, right? That I that I think were supposed to function that had built into them. This expectation that people would kind of serve the system instead of themselves—that's right—that uh, that honor would be um, an important force. That shame would be an important force. That's right. And um, I just don't know that that's that's true to to the to the extent that it has been true at other times. When I. There's there's still small towns in America, right? But we have not lived in them, at least not recently. That's right. And even in the town that you grew up, that's it's big enough. You don't know everyone. It's big enough where you don't necessarily care what everyone thinks about you there. Also true. You? Yeah, I no, I completely agree. I mean, and, and you've said this before about the the notion of uh, once um, our representative government. Um, uh, grew into something where each representative represented more than the amount of people they could kind of know intimately or know well enough. Right. Yeah. And how, or, and how or that, at all. or at all, right. And how that changes the, the nature of politics. And what you're going to getting at is like, it also changed the nature of behavior, right? Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, any of the various sins you could kind of mention or, or discuss, right. Um, adultery, theft, all these different things, right. You could do it and yet others may not know that you've done it. Right. So, right. so, right. so like in, in, within your small community, someone might know that you, you, you've stolen something, but like someone across town just might never know that. Right. So you could interact right. in those other settings and there won't be any shame, um, that you'd feel right. per se. Right. So, and maybe, maybe 200 years ago, the person running to be your representative in us Congress, you knew them already. Correct. Like you, yep. you, you had already formed an opinion about, you know who they were, what their values were, right? Um, how much respect you had for them. Correct. And these days, I mean, our, our relationships with with politicians is pretty much just what we're told, and um, right. Yeah, everyone in that, uh, what you know, whether it's the the media gets a lot from from the campaigns themselves. That's right. Uh, and uh, I don't, you know, it's it's all it's all unrepresentative in a way. This passage that you just read, this is not about, um, you know, maybe the, the correct uh, way to, to punish someone. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, no, it's not physical. You need to shame them. or Right. It's about, uh, you know, at what point have you accomplished that goal? Right. Right. If, if they already um, have this remorse that's greater than you could ever instill on them. Right. Then what? What do you have? What's left to do? Right. No, I hear you on that, I, and I, and, and I think you're right. Maybe in societies where, um, or let me step back and say, maybe we evolve our criminal justice systems in ways to assume that people that that remorse feeling is not enough, right? 
that like mm-hmm. that it, it, it's that we don't we don't trust other people that that would be enough to either deter them from doing it again um or yeah or, or yeah i guess that's it like deter them doing it again and maybe even make them better people or something whatever the word is in that space um i i, I will say that um there, there's always the issue of safety too right so I think you know we, we, you and I have often thought about criminal justice and the and the and particularly jailing about the, you know rehabilitative versus you know punishment versus deterrence all all those different things but like there's also this aspect of like um, right right of just safety right where like the the, the yeah, separating the dangerous right people. exactly um, which probably in itself is surely in itself is a controversial concept um, it's just that part of jailing should at least be for that, which has also led people in our, and I mean, to be honest, it's culturally, culturally evolved to have now, you know, what's the, um, solitary confinement, right? Which was like the, oh, so we have to separate the most dangerous, even from other, you know, other prisoners. Right. Um, and, and just how, how disgusting that, um, um, system is that particular, you know, um, but it evolved out of what presumably was maybe a good place, right? Which is like you separate people out who are going to be a danger to others or, or to correctional officers. Um, yeah, especially if, I mean, that, that can fit too, even if your, your goal is rehabilitation, right? you accomplish both goals at exactly the same time, because if you want to make them not dangerous, mm-hmm. then they are dangerous until the point that they are, that you have succeeded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I like um, I, I think you're right. It's all about what, what you're trying to accomplish, and here in this kind of pseudo, pseudo religious text that we're looking at here. That's right. Really, you know, belongs in its own, own genre. Um, at least this person, this prophet, is coming at it from the angle of people people aren't evil there aren't evil people right when when someone commits a crime it, it's likened to stumbling on a stone right it's not even even when intentional it's still a mistake you've lost your way right I don't know that everyone agrees with that that's right but yeah well um The, the next piece yes fits you know it's the same general topic right it's laws and um, the main reason I wanted to get into this is just because it uses this this metaphor which you you know me to use all the time and I really I really love it mm-hmm. well it's not, you know it doesn't use it quite the quite the way I do but just read this here mm-hmm. um you delight in laying down laws, yet you delight more in breaking them. Like children playing by the ocean who build sand towers with constancy and then destroy them with laughter. But while you build your sand towers, the ocean brings more sand to the shore. And when you destroy them, the ocean laughs with you. Yeah. I uh, love, love sand castles. Yeah. Love, love what that means. I... It is. You, t- you take it so seriously, but it's just... It's like everything in life. It's There's nothing here that is permanent. There's nothing we can do that is permanent. Right. I, I don't know. Other, like, short of, like, blowing up the moon or something. Right? Well, I mean... I mean what about the notion of any, any kind of... Uh, destruction of nature, which is, like, ir- ir- irrevocable... I, I guess. I mean, well, if if you're starting, if you also start with the premise that that change is inevitable. That's right. And that's that's kind of what we're saying here when we also say that everything is temporary. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Then uh, you change the course a little bit, but even that is then going to change. So I don't know. It's not. It's not like you can't have an effect on things. I think I think you can. I think that's. It's just it's just that it changes in response. It it, it 
there's a counterbalancing force to your force on it, right? To your impact. Yeah, there's, there's nothing... Yeah, there's no such thing as forever. Right. And, uh... I don't know. Sandcastles make it... I don't, I don't know about you. I just struggle with most projects that are not something that I can kind of see all at once. Right? The the writing project that's going to take three months, right. I have I have a pretty uh, spotty track record with those. Um, the, the projects that can be done in a day mm-hmm. or can be done in a few days such that you can kind of have sketched out the whole thing and see it all at the same time. Exactly. Um, that's that's much much better. I think I don't think I'm alone in that necessarily, um, and I think it's part of why the sandcastle thing is so powerful because it's this this theme, this idea about what life is. It's it's given to us in this in a unit. The size of it is something that we can appreciate, right? Actually appreciate. Yep. yep. So why do we build sandcastles if they're gonna? They're never gonna last longer than an afternoon. Um. How long is long enough? Like, if you if you were to build a sandcastle, knowing that it would be destroyed the second that you were done, you probably wouldn't do it. Yeah. Or at least it. I think it would be seen as extreme. Like you think of the the like the sand um what's the word for the you know the designs like the Tibetan monks do with the colored Oh design. yes, I know time I do not know the word. Yeah. Do that whole pattern mm-hmm. and then like the moment that it's done. The moment that it's done. Right. It gets wiped away. And that that's that was like the point in the first place. Yeah. But it it I mean, it, we just how uncomfortable does that does that make you? It makes me very uncomfortable. To think that you could... That so, someone could be destroyed so quickly that took such meticulous effort. Yeah, I mean... So the monks do make this this beautiful pattern with the colored sand. It was done with such care. Right. Doesn't, it, doesn't something just in you just, just scream about it being destroyed so immediately? Yes. I think I think part of it is you're, you're not allowed to like take take pictures of it right yeah i mean the only thing that i mean i I guess it speaks to to at least two things one is whether or not the 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 satisfaction of the building of it is 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 sufficient to um counterbalance the the fact that it could be destroyed immediately and then also to your other question about like the timing of the like how long it exists before it is it is you know, washed away. Um, mm. It seems like this is just pure speculation, right? We just think about like you know, put yourself in a in a, in a child's mind, right? And you, and you think through that, and you say you, the child probably wants to complete the castle, have it be there to be beholden, behold uh, to be seen, mm-hmm. um, beheld, beheld, maybe. And then maybe it's okay to have it be destroyed. Then uh, maybe this is maybe this is one of the most important things to just finding peace because uh, I don't know, this just happened to me recently. I spent you know a couple of weeks really really hard work right. on something. Yeah. Um, did put you know a lot of care into it in in some ways that I know I knew some people would never. You know, not that not that it wasn't going to be appreciated, and you know, but that you know there are always like extra things you can do right. that people won't necessarily understand how hard it hard it was, but you do it anyway because it's about the about the product and it's about the work. Right. And in, the, in this case, it turned out to be something that couldn't really use. Uh, sand gets wiped away. Right. But. If it if it's always about the work in the first place, then that's okay, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to the work thing, right? Like love, love what you do, love, mm-hmm. love, love as you work, right? Approach, approach a reverence. Um. Well, 
There's another smaller one that I kind of wanted to touch on. Yeah, please. Uh, the self-knowledge. Okay. Um, your hearts know in silence the secrets of the days and the nights, but your ears thirst for the sound of your heart's knowledge. Hmm. Uh, there's a... Uh, mm, seek not the depths of your knowledge with staff or sounding line. For self is a sea boundless and measureless. Say not, I have found the truth, but rather, I have found a truth. Right. Say not, I have found the path of the soul. Say rather, I have met the soul walking upon my path. I like that. Yeah. It's, um... I don't know. It's, it's still... This is still, like, making peace with, uh not being able to possess everything even yourself right it's, it's very interesting when you kind of see these themes emerge even across these vignettes right I mean the the aspect of like acknowledging the system for what it is and, yeah. and, and saying that we all kind of have a role to play in it and here it's like acknowledging that there's a larger system that you don't have control over and you can't fully um encompass yeah. all the depths of your knowledge so you so rather than say you have found the truth or you found the path you have found a path or a truth um it's i mean i mean even just the title of this self-knowledge right that's fascinating when you think about it um it, it is is part of the evolution here to 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 better understand your own limits yeah, that, I think there's probably also no subject that we approach with the same level of zeal. That we do as our own selves. Yeah. Yes. That's okay. That's, uh, I mean, ourselves, that's how we interact with existence. Everything is through that lens. Without a doubt. Like, yeah, I mean, these themes even, how much of that is just because we talked about things that way, and then that's how things look. Right. You never know. Um. I don't know, but it, it, it you know goes on forever. I guess is uh, it's about the journey. <laughs> it is about the journey, I guess. Yeah. Um, and even our own, had, uh, even our own journeys will be washed away like the sands of a sandcastle. So maybe it's all about who you do it with. Yes, which leads us to the. Uh, the last video we wanted to touch on mm-hmm. friendship and a youth said speak to us of friendship and he answered saying your friend is your needs answered he is your field which you sow with love and reap with thanksgiving and he is your board and your fireside for you come to him with your hunger and you seek him for peace mm-hmm. um yes it is uh it's fat. I mean, yeah. Uh, it's a, and let there be no purpose in friendship save the deepening of the spirit. You know, I, I will say, you know, that there's there's so much in this world, right? That you know, we're, we're focused on you know developing careers, you know, supporting families, um, and, and I think one thing that is is easy to take for granted are friendships, right? Um, and, and, and here it's, it's like another part of the system, right? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, just, just the central concept here, your friend is your need answered, right? Is your needs answered, right? So that, that you can't fulfill all your needs on your own. You, you need to be part of a larger, you know, it, it, it takes a village as it were, right? You need to be part of a larger system just to kind of have your needs fulfilled. You know, like you, you can't know joy unless you know sorrow maybe you 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 can't know fulfillment unless you know friends right unless you unless you have an understanding of them right um unless you are part of a larger system agreed yeah and 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 understanding itself exactly right. right i mean here we are this is this could be you know the tagline for Sandwich Wingman, the podcast. That's right. This is us 
trying to figure things out together. That's right. Um, yes, if, if you must know, and, and let your best be for your friend. If you must know the ebb of your tide, let him know its flood also. For what is your friend that you should seek him with hours to kill? <laughs> seek him always with hours to live. <laughs> for it is his to fill your need, but not your emptiness. And in the sweetness of friendship, let there be laughter and the sharing and sharing of pleasures. For in the dew of little things, the heart finds its morning and is refreshed. It's very nice. It's very nice writing. I, I, I really enjoyed that we looked at Gibran this week. Um, I don't necessarily have a good uh, segue from this to our ingredient for next week, because I feel like um, if, if, if anything, the, the, the prophet has shown us to be um, to, 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 to have some surety and some commitment, um, you know, and, and perhaps not, not to waffle. <laughs> and yet, and yet, <laughs> yes. Waffle we shall. Waffle we shall. Yes. So this was episode 15. (laughs) Sweet, sweet potato. Uh, and the prophet. And next time. Waffle sandwiches. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you, Rob. See you soon. Yes.